0: Glory to God forever, amen? Amen. Glory to God forever, amen? Amen. Man, he is worthy of our praise. Man, listen, it's um, it's a huge privilege for me to be able to come and be able to share the word at um, Epiphany Fellowship. Like, this is the world-famous Epiphany Fellowship. (laughs) So this is kind of crazy. Like, I I don't know if y'all know that. And some of y'all, maybe y'all have been here for a while, like, this is the world-famous Epiphany Fellowship. So, like, man, I mean, like, listen, I feel like one of those dudes, you know, that wins a Grammy or something. Like, shout out to my little brother. I know you are on the podcast right now. Fort Myers, stand up. Word. You hear me? Yeah, we made it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, this is, I mean, so, man... I don't know if y'all know the impact for, especially for young brothers that feel called to the urban context and have watched the trajectory of Epiphany Fellowship over the years. To be able to come is a huge thing for a lot of people. And then to be able to come and, man, the Lord called me in 2010 to plant a church. And then I heard Pastor E for the first time on a podcast or a video, and then I thought, man, Whatever they are doing is like the greatest thing ever because nobody's doing that. And so, man, to finally be here and the Lord to put things in place, man, it is a huge honor and a privilege for me to come and share the word with you guys this morning. I take that a huge honor. And yo, give yourselves a shout out. Give yourselves a shout out. Ten years, man, this is so awesome. Um, If you will, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4 verse... 12, we're gonna be going through verse 12 through 19. Uh, as Pastor Nyron just said, my name is Pastor Charlie Mitchell. I moved from Fort Myers, Florida um, to be a part of the Epiphany Church Plant Residency Program. Um, I've lived uh, next door to Pastor Doug Logan for the last year and a half, me and my wife in Camden. And so we came to be trained, we came to be assessed and we came to be sent out. And so by God's grace, man, we are so excited to be planting Epiphany Church Baltimore. And um, that's a huge deal for us. Um, we're very excited about that. Pastor Trev is rolling with me. He's my co-founder. Uh, some of you may know Pastor Trevor Chen. Um, so listen, you can go to our website, epiphanybemore.com. Um, we take cash, check, donation, <laughs> PayPal. We take all of that. And so it's all legal. You'll get your tax deduction back, all of that. We got you. So please hit us up, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you know, we got you. So. Um, All of that, but we're real excited to be going to Baltimore and killing it for the glory of God, on the block, for the city, showing off the glory of Christ, moving people from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Y'all know how I go. We're going to do what we do. And so uh, we're really excited to be doing that. So uh, pray with me, and then we'll get in it. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Uh, Thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die for us. Uh, man, sometimes we can, be, we can get numb to the realities of what it means to be a Christ follower, to be a Christian, to walk in your ways. Lord, we can become uh dull to the realities of what it means to be a Christian and to carry our cross and to and to 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 walk in your ways, but Lord, I pray that this word that you have shown for us that you will unpack with us, Lord, that it will change us that it would Uh, 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 bring us back to our senses, Lord, that we would behold you even greater, that we would be encouraged if we're broken down, that we would be strengthened and comforted if we are hurting, Lord, that we would be challenged and encouraged to take new ground for you because you are with us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. I have three very young children. Uh, ages, um, like I forgot. See, it's happening. I mean, I mean, I'm at epiphany, so I, I you know, f- bear with me. So, I have three young children, Trip, Kai, and Gabby. Uh, they are five, three, and one years old. Um, so yeah, our house is crazy. Um, upstairs, might you might see dust start to come from the ceiling because they're up there right now, terrorizing and taking over stuff. So, um, we have three young children, and it's cool because. Um, We have a lot of books in our house, and so my wife will take time to read stories to the children, and we like that kind of stuff, right? We're trying to be good parents and all that kind of stuff. So we read the little stories to the kids, and y'all know the fables, right? Y'all familiar with fables? So you're familiar with the little red hen. Little red hen, you know, she's got a little seed, and she just wants a little help to get some bread, but the cat, the dog, and the pig don't want to help her out now. So she goes her way, and it seems like the story is just going nowhere. She's never gonna be able to get a chance to eat her poor little bread. She does all the work herself, nobody helps her. Then at the very end, where does the cat, the dog, and the pig come Man, can we get a slice of that? Slice of that newborn, man, that, that nice baked bread. No, you can't get none of this bread because you didn't help me. Teach them lessons. You you try to get the kids to understand. You got to share sometimes with your friends and your brothers and sisters. Another story we tell them is, you know, the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise and the hare is very interesting because logically, when you look at the story, just information, two pieces, what do you got? You got a, a rabbit. They go very fast. And then you got a turtle. They go very slow. What should happen if they get in the race? The rabbit wins. Right. But what happens in the fail, fable of the tortoise and the hare? The tortoise wins. It's counterintuitive. So it is a lot of times in our Christian walk. So it is a lot of times in our Christian walk. It is counterintuitive to what we have norm, what has become normative to us culturally logically, we begin to think like good Americans that, man, my life is built for the pursuit of happiness. So then we get to a point in the scriptures and we're all about, man, you know, being, um, I'm a part of the royal priesthood and, you know, God has a wonderful plan for my life and I'm trying to go to the next level and all these things, I'm, I'm waiting for my blessings and all that kind of stuff happens. But then we get to a text like this and we go, whoa, I don't, uh, I don't know about that. What just happened? Yeah. So hear the word of the Lord, this counterintuitive measure, and we're going to discuss what it means to seemingly be born to lose, but built to win. Yeah. Seemingly, we begin to emotionally think, man, everything is stacked against us, and what God has called me to do, what, what is happening in my life, it's not working. Therefore, I must be, this isn't going to work out. But in reality, you're actually built to win. Yes. So let's, let's look at the text. Here's what it says, uh, starting in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you were insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Oh, that don't make sense. Because the Spirit of God and because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. First thing I want us to check out as we consider this idea of, being bo- of, of seemingly being born to lose but built to win is this. The first thing we have to realize as believers, and maybe you're peering in at the Christian faith and wondering and asking questions, is this. Don't be suckered by suffering. First thing you have to realize is you cannot be suckered by suffering. What happens for a lot of us is, is our our Christianity has been hijacked by Western American stuff. So we, we come into this whole idea of thinking, okay, if you know, we've been taught since we were children. Listen, let me let me go to school, let me get a job. Then I can get married, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to have a happy life. You know, things are going to go well for me. That, that, that's the natural trajectory, and it's my right to pursue happiness and, and, and have a good situation in my life. That's normal. Then, um, coming from an African-American perspective, growing up in poverty, my mother was a sharecropper, my grandfather was buried on a plantation, the trajectory of my life has always been to get out of the hood. So everything in me is saying, I got to get a better life. And not only do I got to get a better life, I deserve a better life. But then we get to verse 12. Beloved, I love you, my people. Peter's writing a pastoral letter to people scattered, Christians scattered all over Asia Minor. Beloved, I love you. Do not be surprised. At the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Whoa, 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 Peter. Now, 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 now we, we go back. Um, we go back a little bit and and, and you talking about, listen, we, we, we are a chosen race in a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about right there. Once you were not my people, but now you're God's people. Once you receive mercy, now, you rece- now we don't receive mercy. So, hey, I'm with that. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial. And what's so interesting about this particular passage that Peter is unpacking for these Christians, all he's doing is writing a pastoral letter to let them know this is what you can expect as you grow and mature in Christ. This is nothing new. This is normal Christian life. So I'm, not, I'm not, he's not trying to be deep, he's not, he's, this isn't some weird, crazy thing. He's saying, listen, naturally when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, when you trusted and believed, there were fiery trials that were already on their way to you. And this wasn't at, at the hand of the enemy, this was from the hand of God. So do not be surprised at that. Do not be surprised at that. And so what we have to deal with here is, I know we get uncomfortable at the word mentioned, suffering, hardship, difficulty, and we want to rush past it. I know, that's what we do. There's nothing in this life, man, I realize, after I I thought about it a little bit, you know, maybe your grandparents, they went through some hard stuff. You know, they went to war, and they're veterans, and I mean, and, and all that. Maybe they went through the depression, and they suffered and had to eat rations. But us? Suffering ain't in our vocabulary like that. <laughs> <laughs> like um, a couple years ago, we—I mean—we went through the Great Recession, and um, it maybe it was a recession for some folk, but I remember my friends standing in line for some new Jays <laughs> during the recession. I remember getting an iPhone during the recession. I remember buying new Polo during the recession. Man, if, you know, you go to a restaurant, you take your girl out, you know, you're trying to show off a little bit and so you take her out and, and the food comes out a little bit too cold. We ain't gonna suffer and eat that. that <laughs> nah, that's that's not, that's not what we do. No, no, no. No, no, uh, what, what, Gar- Garcon, uh-uh. <laughs> this ain't right, this ain't right, player. I need, I need that back. And, um, and it's interesting because, like, my wife was a, a, a waitress for a, a lot of years. And so she would tell me, people would come in ready. They want one mistake so that they can get that free meal. So I ain't got to suffer with the cold food, and then I get a cup for free. So I ain't got to suffer with that. If you don't like your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your wife, your husband, man, I, man, get rid of you. I don't need you no more. We pay a few dollars. It's over. I get a comment on my Facebook timeline that I don't like. What do I do? I block you. So at what level do we know the difficulty of suffering and hardship? But Peter is trying to say, listen, Christians, he, now I'm sure in his mind he can't imagine a place like America. Like he can't imagine the comforts that we have all the time. Like, we're fighting, cussing, and fussing if, our, if the internet moving too slow. Like, we ready to, yo, what's going on? then? what? Man, what? Uh, I don't like my provider. I get another one. And so, we, at, the, at the very tip of everything, we don't know suffering. But Peter has to remind us that, listen, if you want to be like Christ, and he wants to make Christ in you, what you have to do is go through some hardship. What's interesting and, and I love it and, and and I've heard it time and time again. I've been listening to y'all for years. Like I'm telling you, there's brothers out there that listening to this podcast, they're all excited because I'm talking about them right now. They ain't even know they're getting exist they that people exist. So I'm I'm listening to the podcast and every time I hear what y'all say all the time. We're we're taking people from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. We're taking people from spiritual death to spiritual life. But what happens is we, we, we like the spiritual infancy to maturity, but we don't like the dash. <laughs> see, see, so that, that little two, that little from to we don't like the two. The two is where the suffering happens. The two is where the sanctification happens. The two is where the growth happens. So let's dig in. Let's dig in. He says, so do not be surprised at the fiery trials when they come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may rejoice also. That you may also rejoice and be glad when God, when his glory is revealed. What is he talking about here? There's, there's levels to the kinds of sufferings that we can, or we can go through as believers. There's levels to... The fact that there's different types of suffering, and we have to understand that. Otherwise, we'll go through life with our head down thinking that everything is against us. So we'll only want to look at we're overcomers and we're victorious in Christ, but never want to deal with the reality of how we overcome. And so what happens is, is, is he's dealing with there's, there's kinds and types of suffering. The first kind is, is that you can suffer just by nature of being a believer. Yeah. Yeah. Just, by, man, just by, 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 by holding on to Christ and proclaiming Christ and loving Jesus and repenting and believing that we naturally will receive hatred and vitriol and, and venom from the outside world. So some of us are not prepared for that because we're so accustomed to, you know, God got a wonderful plan for my life. I'm trying to go to the next level. Where is my blessing? All this kind of stuff. So we've cheapened and made it into this American pursuit of happiness religion and not true gritty Christianity. Yes, yes. And so, and so, and so, and so we get, we've, we've dumbed down and become numb to the word of God. Because from Genesis 3, all the way to Revelation, he's been saying, listen, it's going to get hard. When our our father and mother, Adam and Eve, fell in the garden, initially there was no pain. There was no suffering. Everything was great. There was no shame. There was no condemnation. It was all good. But then when sin came into the picture, that changed the whole dynamic of how everything operates together. So from that moment on, you are going to experience pain and difficulty. So we know that as the human experience, but when it comes to Christianity, we're thinking, nah, that's supposed to stop. And then I I, I just don't deal with that anymore. But he's saying that when you suffer as a Christian, you get the opportunity, the beautiful opportunity to share in Christ's sufferings that you may also be glad when his glory is revealed. What does that mean? That I get to share in Christ's sufferings. That I get to partake in his, so that, so that when he comes back, I, I'm all the more excited. Listen, when I grew up in the church, I grew up in the in, in, um. First church I ever went to was St. John uh, Missionary Baptist Church. Um, the rest of my time until I became an adult, I was at Jerusalem, Church of God in Christ. Uh, my mother got radically saved. So um, I don't know if y'all know what that's like, but it's, it's a very traumatizing experience <laughs> when your mom becomes this radical Christian all of a sudden. Because before I grew up, man, they give you $2 going up there to the church for Sunday school, and you come on back home. When she got saved though, we, we was at church all the time. So she, you know, so Sunday morning, all right, I'm cool with that. Sunday night, all right, well, Tuesday night Bible study, Thursday night choir rehearsal, Friday night youth, youth service and, and youth choir and all this other kind of stuff and then Sunday morning again and Sunday night, man, don't let there be a revival. Don't let there be, and so, And so all your, I mean, the jeans had to go. I mean, I grew up in Florida. We weren't supposed to wear shorts. Now, where I'm No shorts? I mean, nah, because young men ain't supposed to wear that kind of stuff showing your legs. (laughs) Legs? I digress. So the issue was, when I would hear the pastor talk about the end times and the, the Lord coming in all of his glory and power, and the church ladies would shout and all of that, I wasn't with that. So I'm sitting in the back row. I'm 12 or 13 years old. I hear the preacher up there sweating and talking and spitting and talking about how Jesus is gonna come back. Now, if you grew up in the church, you know that when they talk about the end times, especially them Pentecostal brothers, we gonna talk about Jesus could come back any He could come back right now. Are y'all ready for him? All this kind of stuff. So if you're 12 years old, listen, there's a, there's a lot of life to be lived. So, whoa, whoa, he could come back. Listen, I'm, so I'm back there pleading the blood against Jesus coming back. Why? Because for me, as a teenager, I'm 12. I want to I drive a car. You know, man, what would it be like to graduate from high school? You know, in the big one, I just want to have sex. So, if Jesus come back, oh, man, Jesus... Uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy to be here, but like, it was some it was still some stuff back there that I wanted. All right, I guess we'll sing for forever. <laughs> and so and so and so, what happens is though is what happens is, when 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 the Lord puts you in a position to test you, to put you under pressure. To, 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 to turn the screws when he puts you in a fiery situation. He is testing you not to break you, not to harm you. What is tests tester, tester designed to help you identify weaknesses so that you can grow. Yes. So, so, so what is he doing? He's trying to purify you so that you can become more like Christ. So the difficulty is, is we, we've lost that sense of, man, I don't want Jesus to come, because I've settled for this. But when you begin to taste the bitter, the, the, the bitter herbs of the world, you long for Jesus to come back all the more. So when, when, when my wife was, was in labor with, with my children and I see the sweat pouring down and I see the crying and the needles and the, and the fear and the doubt, we're going through a hard time only to see something more glorious than we had ever anticipated. But that's the norm. listen, that's the normal trajectory of Christian life. So maybe you say, Charlie, I've never gone through nothing too difficult. And the old pastor would say to you, keep living. Right. Just keep living. And this is not to harm you, but this is so that you can see God for all he is. Yes. This, is a, this is so that you can reveal, you can, you can really peer into his glory because now you know the darkness. Yes. What, makes the, what makes the grace of God so amazing? What makes the grace of God so amazing? What makes the gospel so good? Immediately, we talk about the good news of the gospel. We talk about the good news, the good news, the good news. That's cool. But in order to fully understand and grasp the good news, you have to know the bad news. You have to understand the links by which Jesus came to purchase you. You have to really acknowledge the fact that, yo, you know what? I was dark. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was a child of wrath. I hated God. I had both my middle fingers up telling God he can shove it. I don't want nothing to do with you. You have to know that when you understand the bad news, the good news becomes all the greater. And so what he's trying to say is, listen, some of y'all aren't excited about going through some hard stuff because you're settled for the little bit of comfort that you got now. Not knowing that he has something greater for you if you would just endure it a little bit. So what does he do? He puts weight on the bar. He puts weight on the bar. I hate Instagram, the little fitness people on Instagram. (laughs) I don't like them. I don't like them at all. The little fitness... Man, forget them. They all on there with their little six-pack situation shirt off. Yeah, just killed it at the gym. You know, they got their little pre-workout and all that. Man, shut up. Ain't nobody. <laughs> so, I, you know, now they got the little feature. I don't want to see no views like this. I don't, I don't want to see this. <laughs> and the reason I don't like, you know, man, let me get a little personal trainer. He's going to help me out. Yeah, he going to help me out. You know, he going to get me all buff. They talk to you when you come to the gym. Like, listen, what you need? What you want to do? Man, I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get swole and get that six pack going. And man, I'm trying to get like you, player. All right, all right, cool. Come on, man. We all right, go on and get up under that bar, bro. <laughs> so what does he do? Put some weight on the bar. You looking at the bar like, oh, uh, I don't know about all that. So you do the weights. This is the worst. This is why I don't like them, because they're liars. Eight, nine, give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. more. Yo, you said one more four times ago, bro. So the issue I have is, is what is he doing? He realizes there's more in there than you think. And what he has to do is, and what he has to do is, he has to, we know this because the next day you wake up sore, you can't lift your arms up. He has torn the fibers in your muscles on the molecular level, knowing that if I do that, you're going to endure some hardship tomorrow. It's going to be hard to put a t-shirt on. But listen, (laughs) but listen, when you come back the day after tomorrow, you'll be able to lift more weight than you were the first day. So, so, so on them. On the molecular level, he has strengthened you naturally. Can you imagine spiritually that God would molecularly go into your soul and begin to unpack, rip apart some stuff, make you uncomfortable so that you could come back stronger? So, 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 So there's two kinds of suffering, though. Then you got bootleg suffering. Got bootleg suffering. What is he saying? Um, verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Okay, so he's saying, all right, if you're suffering in the name of Christ, if you're sharing the gospel with your neighbor and they don't like you because of it, if they, if they find out in your class that, your professor finds out that you're a believer and he, he starts to hate on you and pick on you when you're in class, All that stuff comes naturally, but what you don't want to do is go around starting stuff. So we have a tendency to go, all right, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing bad. I know I'm doing bad. I'm in sin. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I ain't told nobody. Kept it all to myself and all this and that. And then we want to say when it all comes out, all my little sin done came out, my wife done busted me, all my little DNA partners done revealed my little situation, all this kind of stuff. I've been stealing. I've been lying. I've been drinking. I've been smoking. All right. Anyway, so I, I, I've been doing all these things. Now you want to pull out. Well, God works all things for good. <laughs> No, you did that. You can't put it on Christ now that he put you in that situation. That now, you know, so he's going to work with you because he's a loving father. But we have to understand, no, we can put ourselves in situations and spark stuff that is unnecessary. So check me out. The last piece. We ain't got no, I hope we ain't got no murderers in here. I hope we ain't got no thieves in here. And evildoers, but we may have some meddlers in here. He says, meddlers? Who are those? The ones that go to work and keep gossiping and starting stuff. The ones that troll you online and keep saying stuff every time they see something, Just they're waiting for something to come out that you would say so that you can point it out. Christians, we have to be very careful about how we say we're loving people with the truth. Because we're always the one to come in with a sledgehammer talking about, you gotta stop doing this. You gotta stop doing that. You need to change this. Nah, cause I'm a believer and I don't do that. Nah, nobody's interested in that. And now you wanna tell everybody, you know, I'm being persecuted at work, you know, cause you know, I'm just suffering for Jesus. And, and come to find out, you the one all on your, you all on work time, talking about you spreading the gospel. No, you supposed to be working. So you got fired, not because Jesus was being proclaimed, but because you was a bum at work. (laughs) So he says, what did he say? If anyone suffers, listen, do not, but none of you suffer as a a thief a murderer or evildoer or, or as a meddler. So there's two kinds. There's stuff that we can get sparked up on our own that, man, stay away from that. But if you're a believer in Christ, man, just know that naturally by you walking with Jesus, stuff is going to happen to you. And rather than you crying about it and holding your head down and saying, man, I don't know if this is going to work, y'all pray my strength in the Lord because, you know, I'm just going through and all of that, rather than you doing that, no, remember that you were built to win. How do I know? How do I know? Because we serve a suffering savior. When we look at the life of Christ and we consider his his circumstances, picture it with me, that, that he would be so grieved from his holy heaven that he would come down because he was grieved in his soul. That he said, no, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I want to rescue these people. That he would be born in poverty. That there would be whispers about him as he walked around town because you know Mary, we don't know about what she was doing. You know she got pregnant before they got married. That he would go around and be called a man of sorrow so that when he would see the throngs of people standing there, he would have compassion. His heart would be broken. His stomach would churn because he says, man, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so we go, no, but Jesus, you, you, you didn't. They spit on you, they reviled you, they broke you down, they whipped you, they tore you apart and they exposed you before all the people. But the counterintuitive nature of the gospel is that although it looked like all the deck had been stacked against Jesus, though it looked like he had been overcome by the ills of the world, what do we know when we celebrate and we came here to worship today? That he rose again. So even though he suffered as a servant, he now reigns righteously as the king of kings and the lord of lords. So that's the counterintuitive nature of the gospel. So dear saint, beloved, don't be surprised. Amen. Let's go further. Let's go further. While it may seem like you were born to lose, in reality you were built to win. Suffering is unbearable only if you aren't certain that God is with you. It's unbearable. See, there is no other worldview, there is no other faith, there is no other religion that can handle the level of suffering like Christianity can. What, what, what God comes down and suffers in your place? What God empowers you with his spirit so that you can walk through fire and not be burned? What, what, what Holy Ghost has been empowered to anyone else that has made them strong enough that every time they are persecuted, they grow faster? None other, than, none other than Jesus. So suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is with you. But if you remember, point two, we are built to win. Look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. What is your response when you begin to experience hardship in this life? God has called us to do things that are far beyond our natural capacity. He has asked you to go into all the world and make disciples. Now, if any one of you have shared the gospel with somebody, it's like the gospel bounces off their front off their forehead and just goes down like it's nothing. And you feel helpless and weak. Then he calls me. I mean, I look at Baltimore. I drove around there yesterday just looking at the the level of poverty, the violence, the blight, the the, the corruption. I I drive around and I can begin to feel that, okay, like this this isn't going to happen. And we can begin to have that kind of pessimistic Christian walk. But he says rather than getting all scared, rather than trying to pull the stuff out of the fire, rather than trying to run for the hills, what do you do? And trust their souls to a faithful creator the reason the reason many of us suffer unlike like we suffer horribly the reason many of us are afraid to do things and risk for the sake of the gospel is because we don't know the Creator so he didn't say go to your provider he didn't say, go to your helper. He said, go to the creator. What does this think about the creator? He is the one who manufactured you. He is the one who knows the specifications that he put into your soul. Not only does he know that, but he knows that he put the powerful spirit of God within you that, could, that can help you to stand when you can no longer do anything else. So he is the manufacturer that knows how far you can, ho- can ride, even when you think you're out of gas. Mm. So our response to suffering is to entrust. What does entrust mean? To make a deposit, to commit myself, mm. to hand over my soul. Why do I hand over my soul to him in the midst of suffering? What is that's not that's not human nature. That's spirit empowered. Why is it not human nature? Because I'm right. Lord, it looks like you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Do you see my circumstance? Do you see my marriage? Do you see my bank account? It don't look like you know what you're doing. Do you see all the people that don't like me? The looks I get when I go to work? You know the things that my family says about me? It don't look like you know what you're doing. But he is a faithful creator. So, so if, we, if we know that we got to back up a little bit, he's not just a creator that knows the stock, the model number, all the hairs on your head, but he also is faithful, which means his record is impeccable. He has all wins and no losses. So when we, when we know that, we don't have to pull back. When we think of hardship now, no, 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 no. I ain't got to run. I endure. Why? Because Christ is being built in me. See, so, so we, we get it all twisted. We think it's about us. No, it's not about you. I go, it's, it's Christ being made in you. So when we move to Camden, man, I see, all the, I see all the houses, all the abandoned houses. I go to Baltimore, I see all the abandoned houses, bombed out trees growing through the roof. I mean, just nastiness all over the place. And what God does, because he is the faithful creator, he walks in there with his gloves on and his Timbaland boots. And what is he doing? This is your soul now. I ain't talking about the house no more. So he walks into your soul and he says, listen, I know they, they called on me. They repented. They believed. And they walking with me. But now I got to make room for me to grow in them. So I got to pull out all that old nasty sin that was up in there. I got to pull up those old floorboards that they had, all that sexual addiction they had. I got to break all that out. I got to break out all that broken heartache and all that stuff that was on the walls. That just, you know, they can't see no more. So I'm going to pull all that stuff down. But as he begins to grow in you, you're like, yo, he done built me up new. Yeah. So rather than thinking that, man, the Lord has abandoned me. Rather than thinking that the Lord is, he, he don't know what he's doing. No, in fact, this is the will of God that you may be more like. It may be that you are in the very center of God's will. And that he is becoming more, like it was every day, with everything, he is becoming more in you. So Peter is telling us, lastly, I'll tell you this. You are, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, verse 14, you are blessed. You don't have to be ashamed. You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you the same spirit that impregnated mary the same spirit that healed the lepers and walked and broke up the lane the same spirit that brought jesus up out the grave is the same spirit that peter is saying listen that's the one that rests upon you so do not be afraid do not back down when things get hard you push forward even though you may begin to think Man, I was born to lose. This thing ain't going to work. No, in fact, you were built to win. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and that you would send your son Jesus to, I mean, to come in and, 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 and sanctify broken, busted, and disgusted old us. That you would love us so much that you would come after us. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be those who are downcast, that we would have our face to the ground, feeling like the world is turned against us and things are difficult. But Lord, I pray that we would be those who walk with our head upright, knowing that you are making us more and more like Christ, that you will do whatever you have to do to make us shine and glorify you in this life so that we can worship you in the next. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.